Good morning, good morning. Welcome. So good to see you. Hello, ladies online. Uh, hope to see you soon. Uh, today we have Sarah. Now, I love Sarah because I think, like, you know, we're like kindred spirits. And you'll see why as we, we go through uh, her story. But Sarah or Sarai, as she was first named, is mentioned first in Gen Genesis chapter 11. Uh, Sarai, her name means she that strives or is contentious. And often back then when a child was born, they would see what kind of personality the child would have. And then they were named after what kind of person they were. Kind of like, you know, when you get a new puppy and you don't know what to name them, uh, you know, you find out his personality and you come up with a good name for the pet. Kind of the same thing. Of course, Sarah wasn't a pet, but you know what I mean. So, but later on, her name would be changed by God to Sarah. And Sarah means princess. So God must have thought a lot about her about her and um, I'm sure he was she was God's little princess and so in those days uh, if you were barren it was very poorly looked upon uh, they thought that you were cursed by God or something like that and this is a situation that we found uh, Sarai in she was barren although she was absolutely beautiful she couldn't have children and people always would look to her like oh she's been cursed of God and of course that's not true is it ladies and so her life is one of many twists and turns. She was faithful at times. She was unfaithful at times. And we can learn much about her because she was the wife of Abraham, Father Abraham. He was father of the Jews. And therefore, she can also be uh, called the mother of the Jews, Mother Sarah. And so before we get into her story, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Sarah and the example that through her life, we see your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you so much for that. And we want to learn everything we can about her. So open up your word to us, Lord. Make it uh, turn a light on in our minds so we can truly see how great and precious you are and how precious we are to you. And so as we go through this scripture, would you bless this time in Jesus' name? Amen. Okay, we're going to look at how Sarai has handled her life. And as we go through her stories, I think you'll be able to say whether or not she passed her test or failed her test. And so the first test that she had, we're going to set the stage. There was a great famine in the land of Canaan where they lived. And God told Abraham to go to Egypt. Now, Abraham was 74 years old, which made Sarah 64. I mean, how many of you would want to pack up and move to Egypt during that time. I don't think I would, but this is a, a, an instance where Sarah was faithful and followed after Abraham. But they were kind of old, so let's read this story. It's found in Genesis 12, beginning in verse 10 through 20. We're going to be going through a lot of scripture today, and it'll be in the New Living Translation, so it reads more like a story, and I think you'll, you'll enjoy all these. But at the time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abraham to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abraham said to his wife, Sarai, 
look, you are a very beautiful woman. I mean, can you imagine at 70, or excuse me, 64, she's still a beautiful woman? It says, when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. So then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone spoke of Sarai's beauty. Then the palace officials saw her. They sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarai was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her. Sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. So Pharaoh summer, summoned Abram and accused him shortly. What have you done to me? He demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she was my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them, and he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. So obviously this really doesn't shine a very good light on Abram or Abraham. Noticed he was only concerned about himself. He didn't care. Can you imagine if your husband did this to you? Oh my goodness. I mean, I, I would be spitting mad. So anyway, so she gets handed off to the Pharaoh, but she goes along with the lie. And, but Abram and Sarah, they didn't have faith in God whatsoever. If God told Abram to go to Egypt, don't you think that he would protect him and that he wouldn't have to lie? And so Sarah goes along with the lie and tells Pharaoh that she is Abram's sister. And between the two of them, they caused great harm to come upon the household, household of Pharaoh. So did she pass that test? No, she kind of failed, didn't she? She lied and she caused harm to other. Now the next story, her second test, now to set this stage, we have Abram talking to God and questioning why Sarai was barren. And God makes a promise that Abram's descendants will be as great as the number of stars in the sky. In other words, he will have a child. God promised this. So let's read what happens next. In Genesis 16, 1 through 9, it says, Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but he had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Hagar said to, excuse me, so Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed, of course, and Sarai's at Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. Now this happened 10 years after Abram had settled back into the land of Canaan. So that's just saying that's where he was at the time. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. And when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mister, mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Kind of going, nanny, nanny, nanny. So then Sarai said to Abraham, this is all your fault. I put my servant in t into your arms, and now that she is pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show you who's wrong, you or me. 
Abram replied, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she ran away. And the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. And the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I am running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. So again, we didn't see Abraham actually uh, shining too much in this situation. He was now 84 years old. Sarah was 74. And he's probably thinking that my clock is ticking. I'd better produce children now. So anyway, Sarah took matters into her own hands and tried to help God out. I mean, how many times do we do this? It drives me crazy. I'm always, I, I want to help God all the time. And it cracks me up. My mom has this little... Uh, uh, magnet on her refrigerator and it says dear faithful one I am God you're not I don't need your help today and I'm going <laughs> I need that on my refrigerator to remind me every day that God doesn't need my help if I've asked him for help he will he will do his work as only he can do but anyway, Sarah took matters into her own hands, and Abraham was all for it. After all, God did promise him lots and lots of descendants. Perhaps this was how God was going to do it. So back then, when a wife was barren, oftentimes this was kind of the tradition. It wasn't something that God uh, wanted to happen. It's just something that did happen, where they would take a servant, and they would produce an heir through the servant if the wife was barren. And this is exactly what Sarai was hoping to do. Oh, the, the child that, that Hagar produces will be my child. But it didn't work out that way, did it? Because Hagar was thinking now she was kind of better than Sarah because she was the one that was producing the heir. And this whole thing didn't quite work out the way Sarah had hoped. And perhaps she thought that, you know, it would somehow work out, but it didn't. And so let's look at Sarah's reaction, though. When everything began to fall apart and Hagar is treating her with contempt, what does she say? This is all your fault, Abram. Was it really, though? I mean, Abraham certainly played his part, but the whole thing was truly just orchestrated by Sarai. So the spineless Abraham, I'm just going to call him like back then, the spineless Abraham told Sarah to deal with Hagar any way she wanted. Can you imagine? I mean, this woman is carrying his child, and he's allowing Sarai to mistreat Hagar. And she treated her very badly. And the angel found Hagar and told her to go back to Abraham and Sarai. Why would he do that? Well, the angel encouraged her and told her that her son Ishmael, the one that was in her womb, would be the father of many. Verse 12 tells, says this about Ishmael. Listen to this. It says, this son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives, the relatives being the children of Israel. And so the nation of the Arabs has been born. That is who Ishmael is. He is the father of, of the Arab nation. So... Did Sarah pass this test? I think it was an epic fail, right? 
All right, next story. To set the stage, uh, remember God has promised Abraham many descendants. And in chapter 17, God reaffirms that promise. And at this time, God changes Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah. And so Abram meant exalted father. Abraham means the father of a multitude of nations. And so that's who they now are. And Sarah is no longer the contentious one, but princess. And one day, Abram had three visitors. And the Lord, it was an amazing relationship that Abram had with God. And I never quite understood why he would lie and cheat and do all sorts of things when he had God's voice in his head all the time. And so in this particular day, God is actually speaking to him when three men approach him. And it's found in Genesis 8, 18, 9 through 15. And one of the guests, after they'd been fed, you know, they were very hospitable. And after they'd been fed, where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors ask. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah both were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Now, they were about 89 and 99 at this point. Okay, so you can see why she was a little skeptical, right? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I will return, excuse me, I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, but the Lord said, no, you did laugh. No, oh, busted, right? He always knows. So the visitors tell Abraham and Sarah, with Sarah listening, that they will have a son. And Sarah's kind of speaking to herself, going, oh, yeah, right, you know. And the Lord busted her on it. He can hear our thoughts. Always remember that, lady. He hears your thoughts. And you can never lie to God. But regardless of her skepticism, the promise is that she and Abraham will have a child in a year. So that's the end of that story. But interesting note, the three visitors were headed to Sodom next. They are the three angels that go and warm Lot that God is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, just as a little side note. So anyway, did Sarah pass or fail that one? Eh, yep, yep, she failed again. Fourth story, not too long after Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, Abraham and his family moved again. Maybe there was just too much drama going on with, you know, uh, the Lot and his, his daughters and all that kind of stuff happening. And so Genesis 20 tells us the story, beginning in verse 1, of her next endeavor. And Abraham moved south to the Negev and lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur. And then he moved on to Gerar 
While living there as a foreigner, Abraham introduced his wife, Sarah, by saying, she is my sister. And you're probably thinking, what, again? Yes, again. So King Abimelech of Gerar sent for Sarah and had her brought to him in his palace. Apparently, she was still beautiful, even in her 90s. Amazing, huh? But that night, God came to Abimelech in a dream and told him, you are a dead man, for that woman you have taken is already married. But Abimelech, I mean, can you imagine? He must have been pretty brave, had not slept with her yet. So he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Didn't Abraham tell me she is my sister? And she herself said, yes, he is my brother. I acted in complete innocence. My hands are clean. In the dream, God responded, yes, I know you were innocent. That's why I kept you from sinning against me and why I did not let you touch her. Now return the woman to her husband and he will pray for you for he is a prophet. Then you will live. But if you don't return her to him, you can be sure that you and all your people will die. Abimelech got up early the next morning and quickly called all his servants together. Then he told them what had happened. His men were terrified. Then Abimelech called for Abraham. What have you done to us, he demanded. What crime have I committed that deserves treatment like this, making me and my kingdom guilty of this great sin? No one should ever do what you have done. Whatever possessed you to do such a thing? Abraham replied, I thought... This is a godless place. You see, he's already trying to pass the buck. This will, they will want my wife and kill me to get her. And she really is my sister, for we both have the same pro father, but different mothers. Okay, just so you know, I investigated this very deeply, and it is a complete lie. Okay, <laughs> and I married, so, you know, he just has, hasn't learned his lesson yet. When God called me to leave my father's home and to travel from place to place, I told her, do me a favor, wherever we go, tell people that I am your brother. Then Abimelech took some of his sheep and goats and cattle and male and female servants, and he presented them to Abraham. And he also returned his wife, Sarah, to him. Then Abimelech said, look over my land and choose any place where you would like to live. And he said to Sarah, look, I'm giving your brother thousand pieces of silver in the presence of all these witnesses. This is to compensate you for any wrong I may have done to you. This will settle any claim against me and your reputation is cleared. Then Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his female servants so they could have children for the Lord had caused all the women to be infertile because of what happened to Abraham's wife, Sarah. Wow. So you're thinking, how could he do this again? And Sarah went along with it again. You would have thought she's going, no, no, no. You remember what happened last time, Abraham? I ain't doing this again. But she went along with it. But she must have been very, very beautiful. But the fact is, they just weren't learning the lesson. I mean, this is the same thing that had happened 20 years before, where they kind of, they have this little scam of, of oh, well, you just tell them you're my, my sister so they don't hurt me. But 
You know, we can always twist things to justify our actions, can't we? If I don't do this, see, God's not going to protect me. So I need to take it into my own hands again, and I need to protect myself. I need to lie and cheat and do whatever I need to do. I remember years ago, Jeff and I were hoping to get a, uh, a home, and, and we found out at the end of the whole, you know how when you're buying a house, if you've ever been there, I mean, you can be kind of obsessed with, you have to have this and you do everything you can. If you fall in love with the house, you want it really badly. And we'd gone through all this paperwork and at the very end, I'm reading this little uh, paper, you know, as you're signing, we're signing the loan papers, right? It's almost there. And, I, and Jeff and I looked at this paper and it said, we have not borrowed any of the down payment. And I go, Jeff, did you read this? And he goes, no, I haven't seen that. And Jeff looked up and he asked the, the loan officer, um, it says here we, sh we have to agree that we didn't borrow any of the money for the down payment, but we did. And she says, well, you have to s lie, otherwise you won't get the house. And we sat there and we're going, this can't be happening. But we knew if we lied, then we have taken matters into our own hands. And so we had to let it go. As it turned out, God had a far better plan. I mean, he, had, he was actually preventing us from buying the house. And so he orchestrated that whole thing. But you see what would happen if we would have said, you know what, it's just, yeah, it's just a little lie, just a, a white lie, you know, and we can go ahead and do this. And it was really, really hard, and we were so bummed over it. But you know what? God had a much better plan. So he didn't, he didn't tell us then, but it wasn't a year later that we went into full-time ministry. And if we had been strapped with this house, it would have been a mess. So anyway, so did Sarah pass or fail that one? She failed again. Last story. It's found in Genesis 21, verses 1 through 14. And the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born and Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter all who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham and Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have been, I have given Abraham a son in his old age. When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham and her Egyptian servant Hagar, making fun of her son Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son Isaac. I won't have it. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. So here she's being blessed with the child and now we see her after God has been so merciful to her, she's turning on Hagar because Ishmael's misbehaving. I mean, boys are doing what boys do. Uh, isn't that like the, the, the older brother code is that you got to harass the, the younger brother, right? So anyway, but God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you. For Isaac is the son 
through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son, because he is your son too. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water, and strapped them on Hagar's shoulder. She, then he sent her away with their son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. So don't worry about Hagar. Uh, she kind of got the, the short end of this stick, didn't she? But he did, God does take care of Hagar and Ishmael, just like he promised. But what do we have here? The animosity between Sarah and Hagar still continued. This is like a continuation of what Sarah did previously in taking God, uh, not taking God at his word and taking matters into her own hands. And this is what you kind of call getting your comeuppance here. You know, it just never gets any better when we go outside of God's will. So Sarah made this bed and when she went outside when she went outside of God's plans and and now Abraham's upset and Hagar's wandering in the desert and and horrible things are happening to people people are are going through difficulties because of Sarah's sin so did she pass or fail that one oh my goodness why I mean can you imagine she acted vengefully against Hagar because her son was was acting out you know perhaps Ishmael was was being uh, mean who knows but you know it, it doesn't make what Ishmael was doing right but it made what Hagar did even worse because I mean now Abraham is brokenhearted because his son Ishmael has been sent away he'll probably never see him again so Probably by now you're asking yourself, why would we want to look at this woman? I mean, fail, 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 fail. Every, every time we have a story about her, she's doing something wrong. Let's look at her attributes. Wow, she lies to others and God. Uh, she can be mean and vindictive. Uh, even though God showed her mercy, she, was, she would not show any grace to anyone else. And she tries to take matters into her own hands. So let me ask you, does she sound like anybody else you know? <laughs> right? And so I'm going, huh, why are we looking at Sarah? She's an example of what not to do. So why would we want to look at her? Perhaps that is the only reason God put her in his word. We can't know his purposes because we don't have the mind of God and his reasoning. Amen. But her story, nonetheless, is in God's word. So let's look at the lessons we can learn from Sarah. Lesson number one, trust in God's promises. Isn't that what Abraham and Sarah were failing to do over and over and over again? They weren't trusting in God's promises. When God told Sarah and Abraham that they would have a child in their old age, what did they do? They laughed. It's like, yeah, right, you know. Their laughter at God's plan showed their disbelief, and they didn't believe that God could do whatever he said he would do. Remember what God's response was to their unbelief? I love that. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And that's a rhetorical question because the answer is, of course, no, there's nothing God can't do. Nothing's too hard for him. Even having children at ages 90 and 100 
God can do anything. I mean, he's the God of the universe and our Heavenly Father, our Abba Father at the same time. And he's not limited by physical laws. Uh, he can say something and has the power to pull it off no matter what. I mean, he, if he says a 90-year-old woman can have a baby, then a 90-year-old woman can have a baby. And so when he promised Sarah and Abraham that they would have a son, he could do it. Easy peasy. No problem. So we need to make sure we don't put God in a box. There's a wonderful uh, scripture in Isaiah 46, beginning in verse 8. And it says, do not forget this. Keep it in mind. Remember this, you guilty ones. What Guilty of what? Probably faithlessness. So he's speaking to us. Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it ever even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. I will call a swift bird of prey from the east, a leader from a distant land to come and do my bidding. I have said what I would do and I will do it. That's the heavenly father that we believe in, that we trust in. So like in the life of Sarah, God made promises to us. He promises to never leave us nor forsake us. And he will always be there for us. And remember what he says he will do, he does. Sarah made so many mistakes along the way, didn't she? And she was faithless, but God was always faithful, no matter what. Lesson number two, God understands our weaknesses. Now, Sarah was subject to human nature, just like the rest of us. And God told her that she would have a child well past the childbearing age. And most of us would doubt that God's going to do that. We may begin to second guess him. Um, they were promised a child at 74 and 64, but God never said when they would have that child. And as the days turned to weeks and weeks turned to months and months turned to years, they began to think, okay, well, maybe, maybe God wasn't speaking the truth. You know, they just began to doubt God. I mean, that was their first mistake doesn't matter how long it takes God to fulfill a promise. The fact remains, the important thing that remains is that God will, uh, will fulfill his promise because that's who he is. He can't do anything but to fulfill his promises. So Sarah began to do what was right in her own mind. She goes, I will fix this. And the whole Hagar thing happened and that turned into a train wreck, didn't it? And there is still a lot of contention between the seed of Ishmael and the seed of Isaac, between the Jewish people and the Arab people. They are still at odds, aren't they? See, God could have gone back on his promises to her because of her disobedience, but you know what? He loved her, he showed mercy, he showed grace, and he still gave her a son, no matter all the things that she was doing wrong and all the things in taking uh, things into her own hands, God still kept his promises. But something must have happened in Sarah because she is mentioned in Paul's Hall of Faith. In Hebrews 11, 11, it says, By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So having a child at 90 
would have been really, really hard. I had my first child at, um, oh, let me think, boy, the brain's the first thing to go, um, 36. And so, and that's getting, that's getting late, you know, and I'm thinking, I'll never have a child. And so, anyway, but God was faithful, wasn't he? He was faithful. And he gave uh, Sarah a child nonetheless, and he gave her the strength to go through with that. Lesson number three, good and bad submission. Now, some would say, well, she was just doing what Abraham said. Doesn't she have to submit to her husband? Well, good submission is. Now, Sarah had to pack up everything. You know how many times Abraham moved? I mean, he was a restless spirit. He constantly moved. And sometimes he just moved because, and then times, there are times where God asked him to move. But he was moving all over the place. And that can't be uh, easy to do. I mean, it would be like your husband saying, come on, honey, I know you really like LA, but we're going to go move to Arizona. And you're there for six months. Hey, we're going to move to Colorado. You're there for six months. Hey, we're going to move to Chicago, you know, and you're going to be there for six months. After a while, you'd get a little tired, wouldn't you? And each time she's living in tents, she never actually gets a stable home, but she follows after her husband. She does what he says in that sense. She says, where you go, I will follow because I'm submitting to you. First Peter 3, 1 and 6 tells us, Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husband. And then it goes on to verse 6, as Sarah obeyed Abraham. So this is God's plan. For a marriage relationship to work, there must be someone who leads, and God has given that difficult, and I do say difficult, charge to the husband. Now, does that mean he is the supreme ruler? No, God is the supreme ruler, and never forget that. But the husband has the final say in situations um, that call for a final answer. Ephesians writes in 5.22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. You're probably squirming in your seats right now. It's like, uh, no, I don't think so. But it says, For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Now, what did Jesus do? Jesus gave his life for us, didn't he? That's what your husbands, those of you who are married, that is what your husbands are required to do. It says, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, that everything never includes sin. Okay, never includes, get that in your head. You are not being asked to sin. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So that is how the husbands are supposed to love their wives as Jesus loves us, his church. So if the husband is loving the wife as Jesus loved the church and gave his life for her, then submitting to a husband like that, that will not be hard. And this is the perfect segue into the other kind of submission, and that is the bad submission. Should Sarah have submitted to Abraham when he told her to lie? To tell others that she was his sister instead of his wife? No. She was lying. The ninth commandment of the Ten Commandments says, do not bear false witness. That means lie. 
We are not to lie. And that is exactly what Abraham and subsequently Sarah did. They lied. In fact, Abraham led his wife in that lie. And so he's going to have to answer for that. But still, Ab uh, Sarah should not have gone along with the lie. She should have stood her ground and said, I will not lie. I will not sin against God. And that is the lesson for us here. When our husbands, should it ever happen that your husband is asking you to do something that is against the word of God, and you need to be very careful with this. You can't, you know, read it the way you want to read it and build up ammunition. You must read the word of God and get your direction there. So, if we do go along with the sin, then we are sinning ourselves. And this is where Sarah really blew it. She should have stood firm and not let her fear of the unknown cause her to sin. And this list leads us to our last lesson. And that is fear causes compromise. Fear causes us to lower our standards. Fear causes us to sin against God. Why did Abraham lie to Pharaoh? Fear. Why did Sarah go along with the lie? Fear. Why did Abraham lie again to Abimelech? Fear. Why did Sarah go along with that lie? Fear. Why did Sarah lie to God and say, I didn't laugh? Fear. Fear can cause us to make all sorts of mistakes. And the basis of that fear truly is our lack in faith. The reason why Abraham and Sarah were fearful is because when God said, I want you to go to Egypt, he was going to pave the way. They didn't have to worry about how God was going to do it. Just know that God is sending them to Egypt. Then, therefore, God's going to take care of, of Sarah and Abraham. They didn't have the faith that God would keep his promises. And he promises never to leave us or forsake us. And he said that we have been given not the spirit of fear, but of might. We studied this last week, and he promises that he will go before us wherever he leads. I love that. Psalms, excuse me, Proverbs 29, 25 tells us that the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Now, a snare is a trap. In other words, we lay our own traps when we fear and take matters into our own hands. We cause our own problems when we try to take control because God isn't working fast enough. I am an extremely impatient person. I'll admit that. That's one of my, uh, my faults. And God is always working to make me more patient. And as I, I grow, I am getting more and more patient. But I tell you, it's still a struggle for me. I do want to take things into my own hands. And so this is kind of a, a, a Sarah syndrome, as I call it. You know, I can be just like her. But we need to trust the Lord and his timing. His timing is always perfect. Romans 8.15 tells us, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. I love that. We are a slave to fear. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. <clears throat> it's like that praise song. I once was a slave to fear, but now I'm a child of God. That's how we can say that. Your heavenly father loves you. You can trust in him. He can do anything. So no matter what struggle you are going through, and sometimes you feel like you're just like Sarah, you know what? 
God was still faithful to Sarah. Even when she blew it over and over again, God was still faithful. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, there is so much for us to learn here. I just thank you for Sarah's example, even if it is what not to do. But Lord, she is in the book of Hebrews stating that she was faithful because she followed after Abraham. And so, Lord, I just thank you for your graciousness, that that's how you would have her recorded. Even though she made so many mistakes, you were faithful and you still guided her throughout her life and you still fulfill the promises that you gave to her and you will fulfill fulfill those promises that you have given to us and so we love you lord we thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy and we ask all this in jesus name amen